Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. In this series, I'll be talking to business leaders from across the world of work who will be sharing their expertise to help you effectively lead your business, both now and in the future. As leaders continue to drive their organizations through a great deal of uncertainty and constant change, many of their team members may be experiencing a dip in self-confidence. So today we're joined by self-confidence coach, Jo Emerson, who's here to share her expert advice to help leaders build self-confidence in their teams. Hi, Jo, and thank you very much for joining us today. Hi, Megan. It's a pleasure to be here today. To kick off, could I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name's Jo Emerson. I've been working as a coach for the last decade, and I specialised in confidence right from the beginning of um, of this career. And about, I don't know, three years into working as a coach, I was asked by a business I was working with, I was doing some confidence training with some of their team members to do some leadership development work. And, and this sort of other arm to my my business grew. And um, so for the last seven years, I've worked with leaders in order that they lead effective, robust, agile teams. So it's a side of my work that I I wasn't expecting, um, but I absolutely love, love building teams, love building leaders, because really, if your leader's confident and your team's confident, the business is only really going to grow. It's really exciting work. Great. Thanks, Jo. Now, what are some of the main challenges your clients are facing at the moment? Yeah, so, you know, obviously this is an incredibly challenging time, possibly the most challenging time I think any of us, uh, certainly of our, my generation and, and younger, have experienced. I think the main challenges would be, firstly, I think double hatting. I think uh, because there's had to be a lot of people made redundant or go on furlough, people who are still working in businesses are often doing more work or are expected to take sort of a more global responsibility than maybe they were before. And so uh, double hatting and the challenges of time management and kind of understanding maybe an arm of the business that you maybe weren't responsible for before in detail is, is a big challenge for people. I think also keeping teams engaged. I think leaders have got a real challenge on their hands at the moment of keeping people who are working from home or working under different um, circumstances, keeping people engaged and motivated under those circumstances, I think is a big challenge. Uh, Managing uncertainty, that's a massive, massive challenge for everyone at the moment. And often we'll look to our leaders for, for a steer when we're feeling uncertain and afraid. So, you know, it's the job of a leader to manage uncertainty. And I think managing volume of work, I think, Really, I suppose, similar to what I was saying at the beginning about double hatting, a lot of the businesses I'm working with have got very, very busy in maybe a different way to how they were used to working or they've got less people doing the same volume of work in order for the businesses to stay afloat. And so managing volume is another big challenge at the moment. So probably those would be the four things I'd say that I'm encountering most at the moment. Thank you. Of course, leaders need to to build self-confidence in their teams in order to help them thrive in their roles. Firstly, could I ask you to explain exactly what you mean by self-confidence? So I've thought about this question in terms of being a leader. You know, self-confidence is, in a nutshell, trusting yourself. It's the belief that you can cope 
with and thrive with what life brings you. I also think self-confidence is not about thinking you're better than others. It's not about thinking you're worse than others. It's about being part of a unified whole. So not playing big, not playing small, being kind of right-sized as part of a team. So that's really what I'm talking about when it comes to being a confident leader is, you know, belief that you can, that you'll find a way to cope and belief that you are an important part of a whole. When it comes to leadership, that's what I'm talking about when it comes to self-confidence. Thank you for that definition. And why do you think self-confidence is so important to the success of an individual, a team, and ultimately a wider organisation? If self-confidence is about trust, trust that you'll cope, trust that you'll find a way, and if it's about being part of a whole, then suddenly it becomes really clear why it's so important. You cannot be resilient unless you've got a core of trust in yourself with self-confidence of knowing that oh that's changed but we'll find a way and I think as a world as a country we showed enormous amounts of resilience back in March when suddenly everything changed I mean it was quite beautiful to watch the the rallying and the innovation and the way in which we just all kind of all hands on deck changed how we were working in order to survive I think confidence is also really important for individuals, teams and businesses, because otherwise, how can you innovate? If you're not willing to take a risk, if you don't trust that if you fail, you'll find a way to do it better next time, you won't ever take a risk. You won't ever innovate. And yet businesses only thrive when they're innovating. So it's really important that trust in yourself that, you know, you'll find a way is so important. You know, it's that trust that, oh, let's just have a go. And if that doesn't work, we'll find another, we'll have enough evidence of what doesn't work to find what does maybe. And I think as well, there's something about keeping each other going. I think if we lack self-confidence, we get kind of so lost in our own heads and in our own little stories about things that we stop thinking about others and looking up and being part of a team. I think if you're self-confident, if you've got a level of confidence, you also want everyone else to kind of feel okay about themselves. And that is so important for businesses at the moment that, you know, we are looking out for each other and and checking in on our team members. So actually self-confidence, trust in self, trust in the ability to to kind of fail and pick yourself up and the the self-confidence that sits behind resilience, they're all vital. They're vital all the time. They're vital at the moment. Thank you. Now, we've already touched on how you think the COVID-19 pandemic has affected self-confidence in employees, but I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into how exactly you think shifts in employee self-confidence will become more significant in the future world of work. Mm. Yeah. So I think a lot of what's happened to people during the pandemic has been uh, taking stock. I'm not talking about people who've lost their jobs and lost their livelihoods. That's a, that's that's different. I completely understand that. But I think a, a lot of my clients and my leaders are taking stock and thinking, is how I've been living, how I want to be living going forwards? I think suddenly pulling back from the crazy commute, maybe, and the in the kind of meetings, constant kind of in and out of rooms with different people and all of that has caused people when that stopped, people are thinking, gosh, do I do I prefer a slower, gentler pace of life? So 
that's that's not necessarily a confidence piece. That's more, well, I suppose, it, to have the confidence to think, is this what I want? Or how do I want to approach my life going forwards are questions people are asking themselves. I think probably in the future, what we are going to be facing, though, is a fear around a lack of opportunity because, you know, it's likely we're going to go into some sort of recession. I graduated in a recession back in the 90s. That's how old I am. And, you know, it's a tricky time. It's tricky. I mean, there are always opportunities, but we have to be innovative and creative in the ways we find them. I think some people will be, because they've lost a job recently, they may have got another one and they're going to be in fear around, could I lose this job? I don't want to go through that again. But I think actually what I want to say in answer to this question is I hope in future we take the lessons from the pandemic and use them to understand how important innovation is and how when we get set in our ways and we fear change, we lose our confidence. The world is always changing. We have to be flexible, agile and able to change. And if we as as workers, as leaders, as team members, as business owners understand that, that it's always about change, it's always about flex, then actually COVID will have taught us a great lesson and will help us innovate in the future, which I think can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think we've all felt the need to be um, to be a bit more flexible and agile this year, and hopefully that will benefit um, benefit us all in the future, as you say. Yeah. Shifting gear slightly, what are some of the key signs and behaviours for leaders to look out for, which can signal that a member of their team has high self confidence? Okay, so if someone's got high self confidence, I think probably the first thing you'll notice is they look you in the eye. They can have an eye to eye conversation with you. They're not looking down or away all of the time. They are happy because they feel okay about who they are and they trust themselves and they trust in the process of life and they trust you as a leader, they'll look you in the eye. Secondly, I think someone with high confidence tells the truth, isn't isn't afraid to tell the truth. You know, in lots of businesses, truth is hidden and businesses suffer as a result. Again, someone with high self-confidence will know that it's okay to admit their mistakes they're happy to go, gosh, I really screwed up there and I need help to make it better, but I will make it better and I won't do that again in future. That's someone with confidence saying that. I think as well, someone with confidence wants other people to do well. We were seeing this, weren't we, at the um, inauguration recently. The females who were on that stage are women who have wanted to bring others up with them and the men. who, you know, they want, they want others to do well as well as them they don't want to they don't want solitary glory they want this to be a, a unified thing and i also think someone with high confidence listens i think it's a real sign if you can listen properly without preparing your answer just listen that's a confident person thanks now i have to ask is there a fine line between confidence and overconfidence in the workplace yes There is a fine line, and I think it's all to do with ego. I think a person who is genuinely confident has their ego in check, i.e. they are, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on, they don't think they're better than anyone else. They don't think they're worse than anyone else. They understand that they are an important part of a unified whole. That's a confident person. Arrogance or overconfidence, as I think you've just called it, those people make everything about them. It's all about their own glory. 
And there's similarly, people with low confidence make everything about them because it's all about what, what do people think of me? Have I done enough? Are people approving of me? Confidence, real confidence sits in the middle of those two and understands that it, it plays an important part, but in a whole. And so the focus is, is about the whole, not about the little self. So yes, there is a fine line and it's about ego management. So you've just mentioned low confidence there. Um, yeah. And I'd like to ask the same question. How can a leader identify whether a member of their team is lacking or struggling with their self-confidence? Yeah. OK, so we go back to the eye looking thing. If someone can't look you in the eye, it's often that they are feeling that they're not good enough. So that's a big thing to, to look out for. Someone who struggles to speak in meetings, not someone who sits back and is a reflector and will speak confidently at the end. I don't mean them. I mean someone who you've literally got to drag an opinion out of them. That's going to be someone who is too afraid to have an opinion in case their opinion isn't received well and then they think people aren't going to like them and then they go into this catastrophizing headspace of I'm going to lose my job, etc. because I've had an opinion, etc., etc. So someone who's afraid to speak in meetings, someone who checks others' opinions before they have their own, I'd be worried then about their confidence. Often someone who overworks, someone who's putting in stupid amount of hours in, that's often a sign of a lack of confidence because they think, oh, I probably haven't done it right. I better go and do it again. I better do it again. And often people who won't rock the boat, you know, won't speak up when they think something's off or not working as well as it could or whatever. That's often a lack of confidence. It takes a confident person to say to their leader, we're doing this wrong. We could be doing this better. That takes some confidence to do that. But that person's got the interest of the business at the forefront of their mind, that's confidence. So you know, people who are afraid to rock the boat, they probably need some help with their confidence. And do you think that there are any common behaviours, habits, or even language that you see from leaders which may be negatively impacting the self-confidence of their teams, maybe without them even realising it? Yeah, I do. I think not being willing to hear the truth is a massive massive problem there are leaders who'll say yes my door is always open come and tell me anything you go and tell them the truth they don't like it and they're you know quite verbal about not liking it unless you're willing to hear the truth don't say you want to hear the truth <laughs> and the thing is is if you're not willing to hear the truth you're saying to people that their opinions don't matter and that's not cool for confidence so always be willing to hear the truth it doesn't mean that you have to go and act on that truth as a leader if you think you know better or different or there's information that the person who's bought you you know this nugget of truth isn't party to but you have to be willing to hear the truth I think not being willing to be vulnerable not being willing to be real creates fear in teams I think a leader who is willing to own their mistakes to be vulnerable to say gosh you know I, I'm worried about my mom or my daughter had xyz happen in the playground just i found that really difficult you know a, will a leader who's willing to be a little bit vulnerable about who they are they build trust within their teams and so someone who's not willing to be vulnerable is a is a behavior that i think can be unhealthy ruling through fear complete no-no in my book if you want to build a thriving team don't use fear as your stick don't use fear as your shield. It's not going to work. 
playing people, team members off against each other, creating an environment of one-upmanship is a bad behaviour. It will come back to bite you. And I think as well, leaders who try and be everyone's friend blur the line between friendship and leadership. As a leader, a bit like as a parent, you can be obviously friendly and as a parent loving and all the rest of it. But the buck has to stop with you as the leader. And sometimes as a leader, if you've become busy mates with everyone on your team, it's almost impossible then to have to discipline someone or tell someone they, you know, that unfortunately, you know, what they've done means that they're going to lose their job or that you're making a decision that's unpopular. It becomes almost impossible to do that. So there has to be a boundary. And I'm not saying don't be friendly. I'm saying you can't be busy mates with your team members if you're a leader you've got to keep a boundary there so those are some of the behaviors I'd be watching out for that's that's really interesting so kind of creating an environment of honesty of um, of effective listening but with also with effective boundaries put in place yeah yeah Another question also kind of sticking with this this theme, how important is feeling that you are learning and progressing to self-confidence? What role can leaders play in facilitating that and helping their people develop a growth mindset? Yeah, so I think it's really important. Everyone wants to feel that they are moving forwards in their lives. And that doesn't necessarily have to be on specific job skills. That could be on softer skills. That could be on, I don't know, some first aid training or taking responsibility for, I don't know, a a more practical side of the business, being a key holder at weekends, any, that sounds silly, but, you know, any additional responsibility or skill set or training, I think, means that people, everything's about expansion. You know, the world, the universe is expanding. Quantum physics is telling us that the human experience is is to grow, is to change, is to evolve. So I think it's really important. It doesn't necessarily, like I say, have to be on, you know, getting better at your specific job. It could be soft skills training or some leadership or some management, anything. And I think the reason it's important is, A, because it stretches people out of their comfort zones. They get used to being in change. They get used to growth, used to having a go. It also allows people to fail. And, you know, I talked at the top of the show about how important it is to fail and learn from that and for that to be okay. I think if you, you know, delegate stuff to your teams and let them kind of make a bit of a mistake and learn from it, because, you know, that stretches people. I think as well, ask people how they'd like to grow. I think we can assume as leaders that we know what people need or there might be a set career path that we assume that these people might want to be on, but it might be that actually they, they've decided they want to do something else within the business, you know? So ask people. And I think as well, rewarding people. We learn and progress, but we need to be rewarded for that. And, you know, sometimes people feel rewarded if they are invested in with a bit of training or a, an opinion, ask someone's opinion, for example. Learning and progression don't just have to be skilling up it's a wider piece it's more holistic if that makes sense no that makes perfect sense thank you i also imagine that experiencing a level of autonomy in their roles will help many employees become more self-confident do you have any tips or advice for leaders that you can share on this 
Yeah, I think it's really hard to delegate work to people and let them kind of crack on with it. If you are someone who's done that role before or it's crucial to the business that it's done in a certain way, it can be really tough as leaders to kind of let go. But in the same way that if I want my three daughters to take an active role in clearing up the kitchen after we've had our evening meal. I need to leave the kitchen and let them do the dishwasher and let them wipe the services and sweep the floor. And if they've done done it well, say, well done. And if there's bits they've missed, say, next time, can you actually put the food from the sink in the actual food bin, please? That's gross. For example, if I'm there breathing down their necks and saying, oh, you didn't do that, you didn't do that, and or I'm doing it for them, they're never going to learn to do it. It may be that a glass gets smashed or pot doesn't get perfectly washed up the first couple of times, but it's the only way they're going to learn. So autonomy gives people a sense of pride. And so many leaders breathe down people's necks while they're doing something. And honestly, that's the worst thing. You After you've shown someone how to do it, like leave them, let them have a go. I think as well, if people do fail, explain to them what's happened, what's gone wrong, and then let them fix it. Loads of leaders go, oh, it went wrong, so I just grabbed it off so-and-so and did it myself. I think that's the worst thing you can do, A, for self-confidence, and B, for the progression of that person and the business. So, you know, it's about being there, being supportive, but sort of letting people crack on themselves um, and I, I get that that can be difficult as a leader, but it is the only way to grow your business, grow your teams. And ultimately, I suppose this is about succession planning, because one of those members of your team might be doing your job one day because you are you know, progressing up. So you've always got to have your eye on you know, who's going to be up and coming into your role. So it really is about letting go, much as that's hard. Thank you. I, I particularly liked that an- anecdote about washing up and, and tidying up. <laughs> yes, it took us a while. <laughs> it's all I came from a personal place. Thank you. <laughs> now, is there anything else that leaders can be doing differently to further build confidence in their team, particularly as most of us continue to operate in, in either a remote or a hybrid working world? So, you know, if you've told someone they've done a good job and you have done something to acknowledge that, that will automatically build confidence. Praise is so underestimated and it's so valuable. But there are ways to praise people and not everyone likes to be praised in the same way. So for example, public recognition for an extrovert is a wonderful reward But if you were to give that to an introvert, they might think you're attacking them. So, you know, know your audience, know who you are rewarding. But, you know, certainly when I was, because I'm self-employed now and have been for a long time, but I remember, you know, being in the world of work. And one of the best rewards I ever used to get given was was some surprise time off. You know, if our boss said, look, it's three o'clock on Friday, go home early. I mean, that was like a joy. You know, that felt like you've all worked really hard this week. Take a couple of extra hours off. I mean, that was just, that felt like more reward than money. I mean, you know, for some people would disagree with me on that. But, you know, giving people some extra time off or, or flexibility. Money is a great reward, obviously. Giving people a promotion, investing in them. We've just been talking, haven't we, about 
you know, increasing people's skills. If you show a member of staff that you really value them by investing in them going on a course or giving them a piece of coaching or buying them a book, for example, because they've mentioned that this particular part of their job they'd like to get better at, you know, that says to someone, I value you. And I think as well, before COVID, we used to, you know, often go off for grab a member of our teams and take them off for lunch. And we, we can't obviously do that now. But it doesn't mean you can't, as a leader, say, I'm having my sandwich at 12.30 on Friday. Can you can you have yours then as well? And we'll have a little Zoom and just chat about that person's week, not who they, not them at work, but, you know, how it's going with the kids and how their mum and dad are and their kind of COVID life outside of work. You know, those things speak value they speak of how much you value someone you know and as a, as a leader in a team we are there to enhance the the sense of self our team members have and we can do that in more ways than just giving people more money or just giving them a promotion spending time with people listening acknowledging their hard work in other ways all adds to the self-confidence pod yeah, I, um, I especially second your point about surprise time off. I, I always think it's a really nice way to recognise how hard people have been working. Yeah, huge. I'd also imagine that regular feedback and check-ins are, are quite key to this. Mm, definitely. Yes, sort of letting people know what you expect of them and letting them know how well they're doing and also offering support to enable them to stretch and then getting them to say the same of you, you know, what are your expectations of me as a leader? How am I meeting them? What do you need from me? Is there anything I'm, you know, anything you did need in that situation that I wasn't able to give? Like that open dialogue is really important, really important. Do you think that imposter syndrome, which um, for for our listeners who are unfamiliar with this, this term is when an individual doubts their skills, talents or accomplishments in fear of being seen as a fraud, is playing a part in employees lacking confidence. <laughs> like all the time, all the time. In my work with executives, I am dealing with imposter syndrome daily, daily, daily. Listen, everyone has a dose of imposter syndrome. Maybe Richard Branson doesn't, but, you know, most people in this world have some imposter syndrome. And, do you know, the biggest fix to imposter syndrome is talking about it in a group. Because when one person admits it, I've seen this again and again and again in my team building sessions. When one person admits it and the whole group goes, oh, yeah, me too. Then the whole group goes, oh, well, I think you're brilliant. Well, if you're brilliant and you have imposter syndrome, maybe that challenges my imposter syndrome. And they and they say, why would you have imposter syndrome? You're amazing at your job. And that's, that identification and that sharing of truth and that being vulnerable smashes through imposter syndrome better than any coaching session I can give individuals on a one-to-one basis. It's amazing. The power of the group to be honest about it is key. So as a leader, if you can encourage people as a group to talk about imposter syndrome, and you'll often have to go first yourself. And you might say, oh, gosh, when I was, you know, when I was 25 and I had my first job and I just felt like I shouldn't be there. And members of your team are looking at each other thinking, oh, I feel like that. Our boss used to feel like that. That's amazing. You know, encourage a conversation about it. You will see massive improvements with it. And I think as well, providing situations to prove that imposter syndrome wrong is also great. So stretching team members 
in order that they can prove that what the imposter is saying to them is a lie. So give them chances to kind of do better at their job, challenge themselves, have a go at something that's difficult and do maybe 80% of it and learn the 20% they need. All of these prove that imposter wrong in the same way that if they don't stretch themselves and they just stick with the status quo, they're proving the imposter right. So it, it, this, is a, this is about vulnerability, being honest and providing opportunities for a new narrative to, to grow because, you know, imposters are everywhere, but they're all liars. They're all liars. Now, I, I sense we, we've started to touch on this, but, but how can leaders role model self-confidence for their teams? Okay, I think the most important thing a leader brings to a team in terms of soft skills is authenticity, being real, being honest, being open, being a human being is so important at work. People respond to that. If they feel that they trust that you are real, that you're open, people will do the same with you. They will trust you. It is the only way to trust is to be real I think as well, it's really important that leaders contain their teams with a vision and a well-communicated vision. So even if the vision has to change, often they do. The communication is key. So I think, you know, a great leader thinks very clearly, where are we going? Where is North? Tells their team where North is and what their role is in getting to North. And that contains people. They feel safe within that. Right. Okay. I know what's expected of me. I know where we're going. And then if actually halfway there, the leader goes, oh, okay, the business has changed. North has changed. And you communicate that and go through the same process, people will shift. What they can't shift with is, is, is sands that are shifting and no one's telling them why. Or no one's even acknowledging that the sands are shifting. Shifting sands are okay as long as they're acknowledged. I think as well, leaders, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth. Use them in proportion. Listen. Active listening, so important. So, so, so important. Not being afraid of change. We've touched on this before. It's key. You know, change needs to sort of be the soup that you're swimming in. And, you know, people just need to sort of get okay with, oh, right, we're swimming in a sea of change. Almost to expect change. And then it's not a scary thing. I made a note about this when I was thinking about these questions before before we recorded. And actually, I think what's really important increasingly is for leaders to model self-care. So to actually take time to be with their children or go off at lunchtime and have a run or a meditate or buy yourself a decent sandwich and sit quietly by yourself for, you know, for 20 minutes or to say, no, I won't be in work on Friday because it's my wife's birthday and to take holiday and not be answering emails on holiday. You know, actually modelling the value of self (laughs) says to team members, oh, yeah, this is a person and they value themselves. It would be okay for me to take a lunch break. It would be okay for me to say, can I have Friday afternoon off because I want to take my husband out for dinner or it's my mum's 60th birthday and we want to travel to her for the weekend. Like, you know, modelling self-care, modelling a work-life balance or a life balance, as Branson calls it, is, is very important, very important, because it says very clearly to your team, we're human beings first, we're human doings second. So those would be the things I would suggest. 
Thank you. That's, an, that's a very interesting point about self-care. I think some leaders can, can think that they have to be always on, but of course it would be detrimental both to their own work and, as you say, also to their team in the future. Correct. Huge. It's a huge point, self-care. Massive. And could it be beneficial in the long term for leaders to let their teams experience failure to enhance self-confidence? How will you ever innovate if you've never failed? Like literally how will anyone ever innovate without failure? We have to, as a culture, maybe as a world, reframe failure. (laughs) It is part of how we grow as people. It's part of how we change. It's part of how we come up with new ideas. I fear that we are so afraid of change in our culture, so desperate to stick to the status quo and and it kills innovation and it kills businesses and you know the the businesses that if you just look at the high street for example now and obviously it's been awful but the businesses in general the businesses that have not innovated over the last 10 years are the ones that have now suffered and we're not seeing them on the high street anymore and it's a real example but you know did they get it right perfectly first time no of course they didn't they would have gone through loads of failure to get to where they to get to where they are so yes we have to be okay with failure because it's how we change it's how we grow it's how we build resilience it's how we build self-confidence it's how we grow our businesses i'm not not saying i'm all for failure i'm saying i'm all for failure if we can see it as as a stepping stone to success you know there are always lessons that we can take from failure if we're clever and we're humble and we're mindful they will lead us to to something better Thanks. I'm going to change tact a little bit now. Of course, here at Hayes, we're acutely aware of the importance of effective onboarding. Mm. Now, if a leader is welcoming a new team member, how do you think that they can ensure the onboarding process helps the employee feel as confident as possible, uh, whether they're onboarding in person or remotely? Well, at the moment, it's mostly remote, isn't it? Well, I suppose in the office environment, maybe in um, in other environments, it's it's more face to face. I think onboarding someone, essentially, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. When someone comes into a company, they need to know that there are a handful of people they have got a level of trust or understanding with that they could go to with some kind of question or problem or for a piece of advice or to just kind of sit and have their sandwich with whether that's on zoom whether that's in the canteen and so you know as a leader I think it's really important that a you spend time with the person who's just joined your company and you build that relationship and you maybe get them a buddy or two people that who are responsible for taking you for lunch you know introducing them to other people etc kind of culturally onboarding them into the ways and the, and the nooks and crannies of how the business runs and obviously I think then plugging that person in on a relationship basis to the people they'll be most closely working with and encouraging those people to have conversations that are not just about work but outside of work as well you know we've talked haven't we a lot in this podcast about what's their favorite food and how many kids they've got and you know who the, who their granny is and you know that kind of stuff's important these are people so you know, I think when someone's onboarding, as a leader, we have to think, okay, who are the key people they need to have relationships with? And how can I facilitate time and space for that to happen? 
Thanks, Joe. I think you've given our listeners a lot of food for thought, both about their own careers, but also for supporting their teams. I'd like to finish with a question that we ask all of our guests. What do you think are the three qualities that make a good leader? And crucially, do you think that these qualities have changed as a result of the pandemic? Okay, so giving me only three is really mean, Megan. <laughs> I'd like Sorry. five or six, but okay, three. Uh, I can do three and I will tell you now they're no different now to they were before the pandemic and they're no different now to how they'll be after the pandemic. These are perennial, long-term leadership qualities, okay? So my three, ah, I wanted more. Um, I've said knows their own strengths and their own weaknesses and owns them. So I'm talking really about humility and authenticity here. I'm talking about someone who is, I know I'm good at that. I know I'm not so good at that. I'm going to recruit someone who's not who's going to help me with my not so good apps. And I'm going to be really open with my team about where I'm good and where I need help. Because that, again, is such a humble, honest, strong position to take that you will find your team's honour and respect you for it. Number two, a leader has to value team, has to value unity. It is not about you and your glory. It's about the team. It's about the business. It's about the whole. It's so important to have a unity mindset, not a self mindset. And the third quality I've said that I think is is super important is to have a vision, communicate that vision and hold people accountable to it. So yeah, honesty, unity, and vision would be my three buzzwords. But like I've said, that's not an exhaustive list. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for thanks for giving us the three. We um we have to we have to give everyone the same amount. But I know it's only fair. <laughs> I appreciate it was probably a longer list. Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, it's been a been a pleasure having you with us here today, and uh, a very interesting conversation. Yeah, and no, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I hope it's helpful for today's leaders and leaders of the future. I'm sure it will be. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. If you found this advice useful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email at socialmedia at hayes.com.au.